Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Like I said, under promise, over deliver, and that's what we do a lot, especially on Thursdays when it comes to the Fantasy Football Power Hour, giving you what you need, and we're starting a little bit back. Typically start right around 10 a.m., and uh, this week making sure that we had Katie Kalinske and Mike Oresco on the show as well as Papa Joe's picks. So we appreciate your patience. And without further ado, Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com, is on the line with us as he is every single Thursday on the broadcast for Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, and all Sunday games. Very excited, as always, to do this. Brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, and the Penn and Trophy Center in East Syracuse, New York. That is the Fantasy Football Power Hour. Mr. Sofka, how are we doing today? Awesome. How are you doing? Doing very well, and and I, I want to just I want to hop right into what's going on. But before we do that, there's been an, an interesting, uh, interesting rule the uh, the 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 redshirt rule in college football. Now there's unforeseen circumstances that happen with pretty much everything, and in this case, the the rule for the redshirt was okay. Well, you save somebody for a season, or if you want one of your young your young guys to get some time, or maybe. They get some time. You don't like what you see. It doesn't affect their career in college football. So they can play four games as a freshman to see what you got. They can, you know, if they get hurt, if they this, if they that, and then you save an entire season. Well, the unforeseen circumstances are the fact that somebody could play for the first four weeks, not like their situation, and utilize it to transfer in the case of Kelly Bryant. What do you think about the new redshirt rule being turned into essentially – a free agency for college football. Well, ironically, I, I, I know I shouldn't like it, but I like it. And let me tell you why. There's too many coaches make too many decisions on their own to leave, and they don't remember the commitments they made to those athletes. They remember that they're going to get a bigger paycheck going somewhere else or a better position. You know, So, I mean, coaches do it all the time. Coaches have the ability to get up and go and leave and get their contract bought out and all these other things. So, I think it's more encouraging to give kids some options because, you know, maybe a new coach comes in with a new program and a new system and new coaches and you don't fit that system and the guy next to you does or, does or the guy they brought in does. So, you know, it's it, it's a weird set of circumstances with this, uh, you know, thing from with the kid from Clemson, but it, it, it is what it is. I mean, that's what we have and I'm excited to see it happen. I think it kind of balances things out for the athlete and, you know, I'm always in for erring on the side of the athlete in these situations. So, you know, even though I don't like it, I, I kind of like it. Well, and the thing, too, like you said, coaches leave all the time. They recruit these kids. They promise these kids the world. Some of them recruit the kids and promise the kids you're going to play, you're going to this, you're going to that. And these guys never see the field in their entire time. It's like, well, you're playing for Alabama, but you're not really playing for Alabama. So, this side of it for players is, you know, they are at the mercy of the coach's decisions. And they're, I mean, yeah, you got to work hard to get on the field, but a coach could tell a bunch, 10, tell four or five star quarterbacks, you're all going to play for me. And obviously, there's going to be one, maybe two. There's not going to be all four. So, you know, th- this does open the door for for players to be able to move around. Does it even out the playing field, in your opinion? Because this is something that I thought could be a positive off of this is that there's these, let's take the quarterback. 
there's a four-star quarterback and a four-star, a five and a four, a five and a five, and they're both on the same team. The starter's chosen, and so the other one decides to go elsewhere. Does that not even out the playing field a little bit? Because then instead of having two five-stars on one team or two four-stars on one team, maybe a team like Syracuse could creep in and sneak it, you know, sneak that guy in to go up against Clemson. He feels spurned or whatever that may be. You know, there there's an open door, in my opinion, of evening out the playing field, and instead of you know, one or two or three teams having all of the great players, now those players will be spread out around the country. Yeah, that's all subjective. I mean, the grading systems are subjective. One coach may value one player higher than another, or more importantly, or one player may fit a system better than another. So, I mean, all that stuff is very subjective. I think, you know, it's like in fantasy football. You know, I deal with this frequently because I tend to, you know, pride myself in in the drafting and in the acquiring of talented talented players for my team you know just because he's my third running back he may be your number one running back you know so don't don't try to equate you know he's your second best guy so i'll give you my second it's the same way with college football you know god bless you you got a five star and a four star who was undervalued in everyone else's eyes and he's really a five star so now you got two five stars well that's great that's good recruiting on your part because you saw through that bowl and you saw that talent so you know it it is what it is there and you know i think it gives the athlete options i'm i'm all for it yeah so there's there's obviously opportunities now for the athletes and but to go and the reason why i brought this up too is because not only has that happened in college football with Kelly Bryan asking for his release, but Rashard Matthews asked for his release as well. Now, allegedly, he's asking for his release from the Titans because they're not targeting him a lot. They're not giving him the ball a lot, giving him a lot of opportunities. This was an issue last season. So we have Kelly Bryant saying, okay, I don't have the opportunity to play, so I'm going to leave. Now Rashard Matthews, as a professional under contract with money involved, says, I'm not getting a lot of opportunities, so I want to leave. What do you think about it from this point of view? Yeah, well, you know, it could be anything. And When you're a professional athlete, you got to do what you're required to do, and that's show up and play to the best of your ability. And if you're not getting the ball enough, you know, yeah, you need to speak up. But asking for your release and all this, I think that's going over the line. You're not being a team player. And, you know, wide receivers and DBs are the worst, you know, outside of Cam Newton. These guys are all me, 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 me. And, and what I'm saying is that that's what it's become. That's what we've created. That's what we've allowed to happen by putting certain positions and certain players on pedestals and then they take that to the next level then you have guys on the sideline proposing the punting nets and and guys missing practice because they can get away with it and there's some sort of discipline in force but nobody knows secretly what it was and it's all fake man it's all it it's all fake we've blown up these athletes to and we put them on these pedestals and it's gotten in our heads and there are certain positions for some reason it's in my experience and in my opinion it's always been wide receivers and DBs who think they're above everyone else and can do things that no one else can. And if you like it, I'll take my ball and go elsewhere. Well, you know what, Richard Matthews, I don't know what your value is anywhere. I saw your value tailing off last year from a fantasy perspective. You have zero fantasy value this year. I don't know, maybe your argument is valid, but your approach to how to solve it is not very good and you're not a team player. 
it's kind of a, kind of an interesting thing though with this, you know, him wanting his release because again, you know, but he could be in a situation where he's on a team where he just doesn't feel like it fits or it makes sense. But again, once you open the door to this, once you open the door to college football saying, if you don't like your situation, you can feel free to transfer. If you don't like your situation, use that four-game rule and then not play so that you can leave. So, you know, that in college football can create a lot of issues. It could take obviously affect the depth of a team moving forward. And at the same time, when we look at the professional ranks of things, if they allow Richard Matthews his release, then now when other guys don't feel comfortable or don't like it or don't think it's fair, a guy like Jacquez Rogers in Tampa who's always asked to step up when everybody's hurt or suspended, but the moment that somebody comes back, they throw him to the curbside, he could be a guy going, you know what, I don't like the situation anymore, let me go. So, you know, I mean, what do you think about it from that respect? If they open the doors to this, then it could truly create Antonio Brown saying, well, Richard could do it. Why can't I? Or Allen Robinson saying, I want to go back to Jacksonville. I don't want to stay here. So now, you know, the contracts that already feel null and void would be even more null and void. So why even have a contract at this point? So it would be, it can create a free for all if you don't corral this thing somehow, some way. Oh, I, I think we're on the way to that. I mean, you got guys, uh, you, you know, you got, um, gosh, names escaping me real real quick here. The the DB in Seattle that was going to get traded to uh, uh, Dallas. You know, they just had to Think about Earl Thomas. Yeah. yeah, Earl Thomas. You know, you saw the Dallas coaches coming over and talking to him and stuff. And, and, and he acted like, and he made a comment in a presser that he was going to, you know, protect himself and put himself first and if he's going to put his body first and all this. And I get it, but when you put yourself so far above the team that you become a distraction and you become not part of the team and you're just looking out for you and not the team, you're not doing anybody any good and you might as well leave. But, and that, but that's what they want. They want that ultimate reward. See, these guys want their cake and they want to eat it too. You can't have a contract for five, six years maxed out contract and then say that well you don't like the way this is going and you don't like this and you don't like that you know what there's a lot of things that i don't like when i go to work you know but i i have to deal with them it's, it comes with the territory it comes with the job so i mean it it is what it is we do the best we can we try to put a smile on our face we try to take care of business but most importantly if, you, if you've given your word to something you know these guys are under contract you're in a contract to play for a professional football team. I don't think it says anywhere in your contract that you're guaranteed to start, that you're guaranteed to get 16 targets a game, and, and that you're guaranteed to be the number one option in the game plan. No. It says you're lucky to freaking be here. We're going to pay you a ton of money and be happy. That's what the contract says. And if these guys are so unhappy, go to the Canadian Football League. Go to the Arena League. Oh, what? Oh, they don't pay that much? Oh, they don't offer those long contracts? Oh, well, then maybe you should deal with a little crap like the rest of the world does in the free business world. You know, not everything is all sunshine and roses and whistling happy tunes. You got to take the good with the bad. And I'm sorry, professional athlete who's been coddled all their life and been put on a pedestal and told they're number one and they're better than everybody else. I'm sorry that doesn't play into what you got going on. Be a team player. Do the right thing. Uphold your commitment. 
And that's coming here from Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. There's so many different angles to this. I talked to players and former players and guys that hope to be players inside of the NFL professionally. And then you look at the other side of things where you look at, you know, from the coach's perspective or the, you know, manager's perspective or the president, team owner's perspective or our perspective as broadcasters and what we see and try to balance both sides of this, even with the Le'Veon Bell situation. Now, James Harrison came out and said something that I've been saying for a while now is that, you know, hey, Le'Veon, why don't you stay, you know, if you're going to stay out and you really don't like the Steelers, stay out, come back when you have to, which I think is like week 10. You got to play six games to be a free agent. And then, you know, fake an injury, ouch, ouch, my hamstring. And then just sit on the bench because the thing is, they're going to run you to the ground when you come back. You already don't like them. You already don't want to be there. It's kind of like you haven't shown up to work in a few months. I mean, it is. That's exactly what it is. You haven't shown up to work for a few months, so you come back and they're like, you know what, save all the heavy lifting in the grocery store for Le'Veon Bell because he hasn't been here in a while, so he's got to catch up and he's got to do his share. And then Le'Veon goes to lift that first crate, falls back and goes, oh, my ankle. I can't walk. Now i got to be on workers' comp. That's what James Harrison, you know, potentially is saying to him. Just go back, fake an injury, you're good to go. What do you think about that? And that's something that I said I think is more than likely to happen, and I think it's something that, you know, I'm not going to say he did it, but Maurice Jones-Drew in week three for the Jaguars a few years back had a non-season-ending injury to his leg that nobody specified, and he didn't play the rest of the season. So this could be a scenario that may happen for Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, well, I'm sure we've we've had this happen and not even known about it. You know, like you had just pointed out about the Jones Drew situation. You know, there's I'm sure there's times on both sides of the coin from management perspective because their their roster's fat and they have to do that. It's done in the NBA daily. You know, they take advantage of the situation, and you know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, I mean, it is what it is, and it's what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So, if that's what he has to do, that's what he has to do. You know, the athletes do have to protect themselves. I get it. But, you know, there's commitments, there's contracts, there's teammates that you're letting down because these teammates, you know, who knows? Maybe I, as an offensive lineman, may have chose to go to another team because, you know, that that their back is a little better. Oh, wait a second. I get to go block for Le'Veon Bell? That fits into what I do. Oh, Le'Veon Bell's not going to show up. Well, I signed a contract contingent on Le'Veon. You're letting everybody around you down, and it's not a good look. Now, I think Le'Veon Bell's situation, I think he's going to come in, sign a franchise tender with a side agreement that he's going to get traded somewhere, and then they can't offer that new team, can't offer him a deal until after the season, after that franchise tenders up. So it, I think what they're going to do is have a side agreement with that team, have a side agreement on a new contract. He's going to sign the franchise tag, play under that for, for however length of time is left in the season, and then at the end of the season, sign that free agent deal with that same team. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting scenario here for Le'Veon Bell. And, you know, the Jets, I brought up the Jets and the Colts and the Bucks. There was a, a few teams on my list that I think he could go to. And I said he can go to the Jets, just can't go there this weekend. So, that, <laughs> and he won't be ready by then anyways. But, you know, it's it's definitely an interesting scenario in college and pro with the ability to have free agency and then free agency outside of free agency but coaches have free agency in college, so players, you know, that's where people tend to understand a little bit more. You brought that up. 
And then, you know, in the in the professional ranks, I think that a player saying, I don't like that he's not throwing me the ball, trade me, that is a dangerous window to be in. It's a dangerous place to be in. I would say to Richard Matthews that I would have asked out of my contract after last year, knowing that they weren't throwing him the ball. But, you know, that's just me. Maybe he did. Maybe they didn't let him out. Everybody's got their own individual situation. You just have to make sure that once you set a precedent that you know what can happen beyond that. You may not know everything, but it's a dangerous world when a wide receiver goes, I want to be released. You're not throwing me the ball. Because then there would be thousands of receivers asking for their release every single week of the NFL. Let's get into week four of the NFL here in the Fantasy Football Power Hour with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football, proudly presented by the Wildcat Sports Pub in the Penn and Trophy Center. Game number one is tonight, Thursday, September 27th, Minnesota at the Los Angeles Rams. Minnesota got blasted by the Buffalo Bills, but outside of that game, these are two teams that you could expect to potentially see at the end of it all in the NFC, at least before Minnesota just made themselves look nasty and not the greatest of ways. Not nasty like a good thing, nasty like a really, really bad thing. The Rams are looking very good right now. The Rams have scored up to this point. They have scored 102 points on their end while allowing 36. Thoughts on the Rams hosting the Vikings tonight? Yeah, you know, this is two teams that are headed in different directions. and You know, unfortunately, I, I would have thought that both teams, I would have been looking forward to this. This is a game I had circled on my calendar for a while because I thought this is the ultimate game right here. These teams are both going to be 3-0. and Little did I know the Vikings were going to have a tie. Little did I know the Vikings are going to get blown out by the Bills. I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Dalvin Cook being hurt. And he's no guarantee to play tonight. You know, he's questionable, but I think if he does play tonight you know you got to play him of course but right now I've got him cautiously marked as number 24 on my rankings a little higher if he's you know if you're in a PPR format but you want to watch that situation you would think okay well I already picked up Latavius Murray last week so I'll just plug him in well Latavius Murray got like six carries last week I think it's an all-time low in the NFL that they had six rushing attempts as a team and and the Bills just blew him out and then then they got to a point where they couldn't run the ball. They had to throw the ball all the time. So, and and then they weren't very good at that. And then they were turning the ball over. So, I don't need to tell you if you got some Rams players, you're going to play them. I mean, Jared Goff's a mid-range quarterback for me, so he's a high-end quarterback too. Uh, Todd Gurley, he's the ultimate consummate fantasy guy, number one or number two, week in, week out. Of course, you already know that. And it, of course, receiver-wise, I mean, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, even Robert Woods. I mean, if you have them, play them. And, and, and you know that. Those guys are all, you know, bottom end, uh, wide receiver two and up. And and the Vikings, Thielen and Diggs, you're going to play those guys. You're going to play the quarterback. They're gonna play, you're, you, you know, you're going to play Cousins because he's going to have to throw the ball in order for them to win. You're going to have to play Kyle Rudolph because, again, they're going to have to throw the ball to win. He's number seven on my tight end ranking. So this is going to be an interesting game. I think it's going to be all Rams, even though the Vikings have a solid defense. The Vikings are have trouble everywhere. I mean, Everson Griffin has been where he's been off the team for a while. They've been very uh, tight-lipped about the situation. Now it's starting to leak. He's going into the hospital for a mental evaluation. So, you know, it's just a sad situation for Minnesota. But this is the NFL, and, you know, it's never what you expect. And, uh, you know, it should be an exciting game tonight. 
Absolutely, and it definitely going to be an interesting game tonight. I, I have the Rams in this one. I think, I think, it would, and I think it's safe to say you're picking the Rams too, Mike. Yes. So with the Rams, you know, in this matchup, I mean, obviously, I, I agree with Mike. I expected this to be a game that was going to be a little more difficult to choose, but the way that the Vikings have come off of this, and not that the Vikings season is over by any stretch of the imagination, it's just the. The way that both teams look right now and the Los Angeles Rams and everything that they've been able to do, I mean, they, they look like a very dangerous team. They look like a Super Bowl cal- caliber team right now, and I had them in the playoffs and potentially winning their division of the NFC West, but they could go farther than that if they keep on keeping on with what they're doing. For Minnesota, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, if we look at Delvin Cook and he's healthy to go, he's someone to think about. Latavius Murray, I just don't trust. I know he's an Onondaga County kid. I, I I know. Listen, I respect that. I love that. I appreciate that. I talk him up all the time. But if you want my fantasy value, there's not much with him right now, and especially against the Rams defense. I think, like you said, Mike, they're going to have to throw the ball to win. So I like Adam Thielen in this. Adam Thielen is tops with wide receivers right now and what he's been able to put together. I like Thielen. I like Diggs. I like Rudolph on this side of the Vikings. Probably would stay away from Kirk Cousins. I might, I'm might. i going to put him as a low-end quarterback too this week. And then, you know, as far as the Rams, their defense and special teams, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I like them all in this matchup. Jared Goff is a, is a mid-range quarterback too to me this week in this Thursday matchup. And the next game that we have to head into Sunday is Cincinnati and Atlanta in Atlanta. What do you have for this one? You're breaking up something bad on my end. Repeat the game. Oh, yeah. No, that's okay. I said Cincinnati at Atlanta. What do you have for this one? Yeah, I like the resurgence of Atlanta. I think Calvin Ridley showing up made a big difference. I mean, there's some more options now. That's what that Sarkeesian offense is designed to do give you those options and you see when Ryan has those options Matt Ryan you know he's going to do a lot better I got Matt Ryan as the number seven quarterback this week and then you know on the other side there Andy Dalton hasn't been too bad he's number 11 quarterback on my rankings this week you know Joe Mixon's been out and dinged up Giovanni Bernard stepped up and stepped in was able to do enough to help the team so Giovanni Bernard number 10 running back and if he's in a PPR I think you can even elevate him a little higher than that. As far as the Falcons go, though, Devonta Freeman's been dinged up. There's no guarantees there with him. He's questionable. Watch out there. But Tevin Coleman is filled in nicely. I think if, uh, you know, watch if Freeman is playing, he's probably a low-end running back, too, just because he's dinged up. And then so is Tevin Coleman. If Freeman's not playing, I think Tevin Coleman's a bottom-end RB1, and I think that, you know, he's going to have a better opportunity to put up more numbers because he'll more than likely be the guy. You know, and and Julio Jones, I think this situation with Calvin Ridley makes Julio Jones more attractive because now you can't double Julio Jones, and now we're going to have to get him more involved in the offense as well. So Julio Jones is the number five receiver for me. Calvin Ridley's a low-end number two, maybe a high-end three for me this week. Um, tight end wise, you know, the Falcons, Austin Hooper has been a little bit on the disappointing side and Tyler Eifert seems to be catching some of his old steam again. So I like him as a bottom end tight end one this week. I, oh, and by the way, for the record, I think Atlanta's going to win this game at home. And on my side of things, just to give people notes uh, really quick here on the injury report, Julio Jones has a calf injury, didn't practice 
on Wednesday. Devontae Freeman's knee injury did not practice on Wednesday. If you want an updated injury report leading into the games, if you want to check out who's on the injury report for the week, you will find that on wakeupcalldt.com under the Fantasy Football tab that is titled NFL Injury Report. So you go right on to wakeupcalldt.com, look at the Fantasy Football tab, put your little mouse over it, and there's the NFL Injury Report on the drop-down menu, so you can check that out there. I want to also make a note of the Cincinnati Bengals and anything you should watch out for in this game. A.J. Green's pelvic injury limited him in practice. Giovanni Bernard's thigh injury limited him in practice. Joe Mixon did not practice with his meniscal injury, and outside of that, really nothing to be too concerned about. In this game, for me, I would have to go starting with Cincinnati with A.J. Green. I'm not against Andy Dalton because Atlanta, because the NFL the NFC South does not play defense. So more often than not, the NFC South does not play defense. So, you know, I would say that Andy Dalton's going to be able to score in this game. So I'd keep him, I'd keep him as a quarterback one in certain respects, depending on who you have on your squad. AJ Green is worth the play as well. Tyler Eifert, I would consider him in this game, but I think he's to me, is kind of a low end too at this point. He hasn't wowed me so far this season. And then as far as Atlanta goes, I like Matt Ryan in the game, and I haven't said that in a while, but Matt Ryan's done some good things. So I like him. He's he's still a high end. He He's kind of where, where Andy Dalton is. He's a one, but he could be a high end too. He, this game could be 13 to 10. It could be 30 something to 30 something. So you're rolling the dice here, but I don't dislike Andy in this. I don't dislike Matt Ryan in the game as well. So I think he could be worth the play. I'm not fearful of Cincinnati's defense. I, I do think they could do some good things, but again, you know, this is Matt Ryan, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Let's see if Ridley can do it twice in a row. I know you don't want to leave him on your bench, so he's at least good for a flex. And I would look to Tevin Coleman with Devontae Freeman banged up. If he is able to play, you can potentially look at that. But it seems like Tevin Coleman has been able to take care of business. And I'm going to pick the Falcons at home as well. Tampa Bay at Chicago. What do you have for this one? Yeah, I think this game's going to be won by Chicago. I think that, uh, you know, they're being tight-lipped about the quarterback, supposedly, in Tampa. But, you know, I, I kind of see through that. I think we're going to stay with Fitzpatrick here. I don't think uh, Jameis is near ready to come back yet. And I think, you know, that's the right move. I mean, Fitzpatrick has been hot. He's been a good quarterback to throw out there. And even though Chicago's got a decent defense, and even though Chicago's probably going to rush him and be all over him, I still have him as a bottom-end quarterback one because in the game of fantasy – especially if you're in a league that doesn't count for interceptions like he had three last week. It's about yardage. It's about touchdown. It's about big plays. And he's thrown for 400 yards in three straight games and, you know, a bunch of touchdowns. The guy's using the weapons around him effectively, and you got to play him as a low-end quarterback one. On the other side, I don't think Trubisky is as much of a must-start, but in a way he kind of is not far behind Fitzpatrick simply because, well, Tampa's been pretty soft in the defense. You saw Chris Connie get manhandled by Vance McDonald last week, pushed down by the face, and then we find out supposedly he was playing the whole game with a, with a uh, bad PCL, and now he's on IR. So, uh, you know, no, no excuse for that, but it is what it is, and I think Tampa's secondary is soft, and I think that's going to open things up for Trubisky. I think he's a low-end quarterback, too, this week. And, you know, running back-wise, Tampa's been struggling to run the ball. Peyton Barber just seemed to not be getting it done. 
I don't see Ronald Jones being able to get on the field. When you look at the other side of the coin, Jordan Howard's the number seven running back. He's been getting it done, and PPR-wise, and so has Tariq Cohen's been getting his touches as well. So, you know, look out for the running attack in Chicago. That's better than Tampa's. You know, wide receiver-wise, I think Chicago's still searching for an identity. I think Allen Robinson's making a presence there. I think Anthony Miller's making a presence there. We're going to continue to see those guys, but... I don't think those guys are wide receiver ones by any stretch of imagination. I think they're wide receiver threes at best. Maybe Allen Robinson's the bottom end wide receiver two this week. And for Tampa, being they're going to have to throw the ball through Fitzmagic, Mike Evans is a guy, Chris Godwin's a guy, Deshaun Jackson's a guy. Mike Evans, of course, is your one. Uh, you know, and Chris Godwin, I think, is a, is a wide receiver too, and I think he's the second best receiver on a team right now. Deshaun Jackson can stretch the field. And if you're in a team with return yards, you want Adam Humphreys as well. I like what O.J. Howard and Cameron Brate's been doing. Cameron Brate's been silent at times, but O.J. Howard's been looking a lot better. He's a bottom-end tight end, one for me this week. And for Chicago, you got to go with Trey Burton. He's a number six tight end. They find ways to get him the ball because he's a playmaker, and you got to like that if he's your tight end. And again, I like Chicago in this game. Yeah, you know, I, I think, like you said, staying tight-lipped on it, that uh, the coach knows who the quarterback's going to be, but he's not saying anything. I think that, obviously, it should be Fitzmagic, and they should let him continue to play because, again, why would you take him off? But Tampa's notorious for doing this, like I said with Jacquez Rogers. Somebody goes out due to suspension or an injury, and the way that they replay the player that stepped in in their case and not only filled the spot but did a good job at it is to sit him back on the bench. Jameis Winston is a problem. He's been a head case. He's been an issue at Florida State, at Tampa, on and off the field. Whether he did it, he didn't do it, he maybe did it, he did a little bit of it but didn't do all of it, he is somebody that is constantly being brought up with this stuff. It's the pain in the butt to have to deal with. And if I'm if I have Ryan Fitzpatrick and I sit him on the bench for Jameis Winston with Jameis Winston coming back after this suspension for yet another problem, then if I'm Fitz, then I would do what Richard did. Give me my release. Let me go. Let me go find a team that's going to let me play because I'm going to bring this magic somewhere, and if it's not going to be in Tampa, then maybe it's coming to a theater near you very soon and to a field near you. So I like Fitzpatrick you know, in this matchup as a quarterback. i got to keep him as a quarterback one. I don't put him uh, as a high, high quarterback one. He's playing Chicago's defense, but I do like him in the game because I know that he can create some danger zones. As far as any injuries that you need to make note of, Nothing for you on Tampa. And then as far as Chicago goes, really quick here, Chicago's injury, Anthony Miller's shoulder injury didn't practice on Wednesday. Adam Shaheen is obviously on IR. Outside of that, there's really nothing. So in my opinion here, starting with Tampa, I do like Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game. I don't know how anybody could feel good not playing him the way he's been playing lately. Even in a loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers when I, when all was said and done, he played one hell of a game, drove up the store, score, and uh, forced Ben Roethlisberger and the team to have to outscore them, which, which, you know, I mean, this is not the Tampa team that we're used to seeing under Jameis Winston. So shout out to Ryan Fitzpatrick. I like him. I like Mike Evans. I like Chris Godwin. And Deshaun Jackson, I like him as a flex. I'll agree with you on that. Adam Humphreys 
and I don't really see much of you know much from him to statistically to make me say yeah definitely put him out there. As far as Chicago goes, the quarterback no, not seeing the quarterback on this one. I would even look at Tampa's defense and special teams, and then on the offensive side, if Anthony Miller's good to go, he's a potential low end wide receiver three. I think he's coming up, could be a flex guy for you. I do like Jordan Howard in the game. Tariq Cohen's been letting me down, so I'm not gonna err on. I'm not gonna lean on his side, and I'm actually gonna pick. The I'm going to pick the Bucks to win this game. I know the Bears have a good defense, but I keep talking about how much Ryan Fitzpatrick can score. If Fitz is the quarterback, I'm picking the Bucks in this. If it's Jameis, if it's Jameis Winston, it's probably going to be the Bears. Lions at the Cowboys. What do you think about this one? Yeah, I think Dallas might actually sneak up and surprise some people and win this game. I think their defense is going to have to step up for that to happen. They weren't able to run the ball, even though that's the only thing they can do, because they don't have any receivers in Dallas. You know, it's kind of a not-fair situation for Dak Prescott. He's dealing with a new center. He's dealing with new positions, new new receivers. Doesn't have Jason Witten. And the one thing they do have, they can't do very well, and that's run the ball right now. So they're going to have to run the ball. And I think against the Lions interior, they're going to be able to run the ball. So look for a pretty decent week from Zeke. Zeke Elliott, my number three running back this week. On the other side, Carrion Johnson has shown up. He's number 19 on my rankings. So there's an opportunity for Carrion Johnson to put two 100-yard games together. They haven't had one of those in years in Detroit. Now, they're going to be led by some quarterbacks here, and Dak Prescott, not a guy you want to start because he's got nobody to throw it to. He's a QB3 in my book right now until they get something else happening. Matt Stafford, though. Matt Stafford's somebody who's borderline QB1 for me at number 13 on my rankings this week. Wide receivers, if you got one from Dallas, you're not doing too well this year on your fantasy team, so just go ahead and throw in a towel and give up. No, hit the waiver wire and look for somebody else because they're not doing what they need to do. So I don't need to tell you that. You already know you're probably 0-3 if you're counting on the Dallas receiving core. And Detroit, Detroit's got some guys you're going to want, though. Golden Tate, of course, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. All these guys should be starting QB 1, 2, and 3, respectively, on their team and on my rankings as well. You know, I, I, I fault Detroit for letting Eric Ebron go, but he wasn't getting it done there. He was always injured and always put in these lackluster seasons. Now they got nobody. Luke Wilson's not showing up. Michael Roberts isn't doing anything. And then they got my favorite guy, the tight end three there, the rapper, Levine Toilolo, <laughs> the rapper Toilolo. Yeah, you can't count on any of those guys, and you can't count on a tight end from Dallas either. But I see Dallas winning this game by running the ball. Yeah, Detroit at Dallas. It's 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 not what you what you would hope that it would be. This kind of feels like a game that would be on Thanksgiving. But you know, can you have both teams lose in the same? I guess if they tie, you could. As far as injuries go for Detroit, nobody on there to be too concerned about on Dallas's side. Ankle injury to Cole Beasley, fantasy wise, hasn't done anything for you this season. And outside of that, uh, there's really nothing for you to be too concerned about. They got a long injury list, but these players should not be the ones that are leading your fantasy team. So, you know, I would say Matt Stafford's a quarterback too this week. I like Carrion Johnson. I think he's worth the play. He's on my team, and I like him. I like what he could do. So I, I like him in this game. I like Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay and Golden Tate as a flex position. You know, this is the first time in a long time that I tell you to play almost completely the house against the Cowboys, but, you know, I just don't have a lot of faith in their defense and what they put forward this season. I don't 
I don't like Dak Prescott this year so far. I know, like Mike said, it's not all on him. You got to give him the receivers. You got to give him a tight end. You got to give him an offensive line. So, you know, he's in a situation that's very undesirable, but he is an NFL quarterback being paid millions of dollars. So hopefully he can figure out a way to get it going. And either way, he's living his dream. So that's a good thing. It's just a it's a he's living his dream, but it kind of feels like a nightmare for Cowboys fans seeing the way the team has been playing and what they put together. So Ezekiel Elliott, you got to play him. I don't have him as a running back one. I have him as a – oh, no, that's not true. I do have him as a running back one. Pardon me. We're talking about Detroit here, okay? Detroit, who anybody looks good against, who has had a running back score on them every single every single game that they've, they've played, either had a running back score on them or get over 100 yards or both. So I like Ezekiel Elliott in this one, and really that's the only cowboy I feel good about in this matchup. Next one up is Buffalo at Green Bay. Could they pull it off again up against the NFC North, Mr. Sofka? All right. You know, and, and Bill's fan, Bill's mafia, if you're, if you're getting ready to crash through some tables filled with cheese and going to tell me how great Buffalo is and how everything is great now, just, just hold on a minute. Just take a step back and take a breath. Yeah, you won the game in dominating fashion at Minnesota. Hats off to you. You did a great job. And if you do it again on the road at Green Day, hats off to you again. But let's put reality where reality goes. Buffalo, you're not very good. You got some problems everywhere. You got a rookie quarterback. You got a running back who's injured with a rib injury, says and insists in McCoy that he's going to play, but that does wonders for his fantasy value because he's not even a quarterback three on my rankings this week. The backup isn't doing much better in Chris Ivory, so nobody's doing anybody any favors here by playing anybody from Buffalo. You can't play a receiver, you can't play a tight end, you can't play the quarterback, and you can't play the running back now. So Buffalo fan, put yourself in check. Everything will be all right. You're playing for the future here. Just keep that in perspective. You're not world beaters. I know you beat what we thought was a good Minnesota team, but you see they got problems now. So just put it all in perspective. I think Green Bay is going to win big, and they're going to win big behind Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, they've been able to manage the game around him. The leadership in Green Bay is superlative, and that's they're on a different level than a lot of other people because they realize what they have. They got a non-mobile quarterback who's used to being mobile, so they're going to give him those quick step drops. They're going to give him those quick throws, and they're going to rely on a team-oriented running attack, and that's what they're going to do. Now, that team-oriented running attack is going to butcher fantasy players because Aaron Jones is supposed to be back, but you can't count on that. You don't know if it's going to be him, Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery, so you know you can't start a guy from there. The guys you want to start, of course, are the wide receivers. Devontae Adams, he's a wide receiver, too, in my book this week. And then, you know what? Wide receiver three, Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison's been, been coming around. Looks like Jimmy Graham may be hurt, may be dinged up, so I don't think you can count on him this week, but... Aaron Rodgers, you can definitely play, and you can definitely play some Green Bay receivers this week. And again, I think it's going to be Green Bay big. Yeah, and we have in the other one. Did you pick the Cowboys? Oh yeah. Okay, so you got the boys. I got the Lions in the early Thanksgiving treat that we'll have this Sunday, and then in this matchup with Buffalo and Green Bay, I'm going to go with Green Bay in this one as well. 
You know, I, I would like to think that this defense, I mean, if Clay Matthews can ever sack a quarterback and not get in trouble for it, maybe that would be helpful to the team. I think it's three weeks, three fines or something ridiculous for Clay Matthews. And they were talking about it yesterday, how you can jump on a quarterback and as you're going down, jump off of the quarterback. So you sack him in the, in the run of play and then you have to push your body off of him before he falls to the ground. I could see quarterbacks, you know, if they're going to get sacked, grabbing on your jersey and holding on to you so that you do fall on to them, even if you try to get off, just so that they can say that, oh, look, he fell on me. So this is definitely a rule made for the quarterback and the quarterback can absolutely exploit this rule. Like I just said, by holding on LaShawn McCoy limited with a rib injury. And you know, I'm not feeling great about his situation this year in and of itself. Charles Clay shoulder injury. He's limited as well for the bills for green Bay on their side of things at home. We have Jimmy Graham with a knee injury, did not practice Aaron Rodgers knee MCL did not practice on Wednesday as well. So just watch that, but I would lean on Aaron Rodgers to play because he seems to want to play through everything. You know, he's a gamer, and he's one of those guys that, you know, just just uh, give me that whatever it is that they use in the World Cup, that spritz, that little spray when your leg is broken and they spritz you and all of a sudden you're back on the field running around again. So maybe that's what Aaron Rodgers is, is looking to take in this one. On Buffalo's side of things, you know, Josh Allen, he's a quarterback too for me this week. If you can play multiple quarterbacks, He's not a bad one. Probably he's not my starter this week in this game, though. I mean, he did some great things. He had some fun. But I would like to think that Green Bay is watching that film going, how in the hell did Minnesota's defense let this pass through? So I think they'll be ready for it. Zay Jones is a flex player for me. Don't really like anybody else on the Bills team in this game, fantasy football-wise. For Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, if he's good to go. Devontae Adams, and I told you last week to play Geronimo Allison. Hopefully you listen to me. I do like him in this, and, you know, really, this is a game where I feel like I should be picking more players, but outside of Zay Jones as a low-end wide receiver three, and then having Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, and Aaron Rodgers, there's nobody else that I'm willing to pick in this one. I'm going with the Packers, and so is Mr. Safka. Philadelphia at Tennessee, what do you have for this? Yeah, Philadelphia is not the Philadelphia I'm used to seeing, but, you know, they're going to get it done, and they're going to continue to get it done. I think they're going to I think they're going to win this game in Tennessee. Uh, you know, Tennessee's defense is pretty good. Carson Wentz is, well, he's pretty good as well, though. And, I, you know, I'd like to say rank him as a QB1, but he's just a mid-range guy for me this week, number 15 on my rankings. You know, they're going to have to have a team-oriented attack to run the ball from Philly. I think Philly's going to try to do something a little bit different here with a with a committee. Uh, everybody's been dinged up. Jay Ajayi, Corey Clement seemed to take a increased role. Darren Sproles may be back, and Wendell Smallwood got some goal line touches. So while I don't feel good about any one of these guys, the combination of these guys are going to do good for the team, just not very good for fantasy this week. You know, Alshon Jeffrey has been dinged up all year. Nelson Aguilar has been the one you wanted to start. Mike Wallace is now hurt. Zach Ertz. And, and Dallas Goddard have been the guys to, to, to look at, but Dallas isn't getting enough completions. He's gotten a couple targets whenever he's on the field, but that's the thing. He's not on the field enough. He's not on the field as often as a Trey Burton was for them. So Zach Ertz is a bottom end tight end one for me this week. And the rest of the guys are great team players. They're just not very good for fantasy, although I think it's going to be enough for them to win the game. Tennessee, well, they're a wreck. 
they're wrecking the quarterback department. I wouldn't start a quarterback from Tennessee, no matter if it's Mariota, Blake Bortles, if he's still around after the injury. I don't know. And 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 running back. Oh, you mean wise, you mean Gabbard on that one? Yeah, Gabbard, Gabbard. That's good old, good old, good old Blaine. Wait, so wait, you're saying to us on fantasy today, Mike? I want to make sure I get this right. You're saying to us that no one should play. Gabbert or Mariota, who combined in the first half of the Jaguars game to go four for ten for eighteen passing yards, one point eight yards per pass. You're 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 officially saying don't start those people. That would be absolutely correct. And what an astute observation on my part, eh? <laughs> so you know <laughs> Deion Lewis has been outshining outshining his counterpart in in, in Henry there, and I, I don't I don't see that going to end, especially the PPR format. You got to play Deion Lewis. I don't think Derrick Henry is performing the way we thought he would. He's a bottom end running back three for me, where Deion Lewis is a is a bottom end running back two for me. And you know we've talked about it. You know the receivers, the receivers are, are, are a mess. You know Corey Davis, nothing. Tywan Taylor, nothing. Tajay Sharp, nothing. The one guy they had at tight end injured, so now we got Jonu Smith. There's a lot of nothing in this game, so not a very exciting fantasy game, but I think Philadelphia is going to win. Yeah, I got Philadelphia in this one in, in a relative landslide. I think they can score 30-something to the Titans getting maybe three points in this game. I'm, I, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. I see 30-3, to 37-3, something like that in this matchup. As far as Philadelphia goes in this game, uh, notable injuries, Jay Ajayi, has a back injury, did not practice on Wednesday. Full practice participant, Elshon Jeffrey, with a shoulder injury, so that's good for fans to see. Hamstring to Darren Sproles, did not practice on Wednesday. Uh, Mike Wallace is on injured reserve, as people know. And then for the Tennessee Titans, really quick here, uh, Rashard Matthews asking for his release, so he is questionable. And uh, outside of that, we have uh, Ryan Suckup had a knee injury, and he did not practice. That's the worst thing that could happen to this team because he's the only thing that was good. There was one shining moment in the in the Tennessee Jaguars game, and it was Ryan Suckup. That's all it was to link that to, to the uh, beautiful world of March Madness. So in this one, for me, I'm feeling good about Philadelphia. I'm not feeling anything with the Tennessee Titans. They got away with the fact that, you know, the Jaguars couldn't move the ball. They didn't have a lot of protection. They were missing their left tackle and their right guard and their starting running back, which is three blockers for Blake Bortles, and that obviously affected their ability to get up and down the field. I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee, but that had to be one of the ugliest games that I've seen in a lifetime. And they are the kryptonite of the Jaguars, who are only 15-22 and 22 in the 21st century against them in 20 and 26. And here's a very weird stat. The Jaguars have not defeated the Titans when playing them on a Sunday in five years. They've only beaten them on Thursdays and Saturdays. So luckily for them, they have them on Thursday when they go to Tennessee later this season. I would play Carson Wentz in this game. Uh, Corey Clement, I like him in this game, especially with Sproles and Jay Ajayi being injured. Elshon Jeffrey is worth looking at in this one as a, as a wide receiver two, low-end two. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, I'm looking at him as a high-end wide receiver two. In the matchup, Zach Ertz, I'd have him as a low-end one. I'd agree with Mike on that. On Tennessee's side of the ball, I really don't like – I mean, I don't like the quarterback situation, as we alluded to. Uh, not a big fan of Derrick Henry – if you got to play him at a flex, I guess that's where you go outside of that. I don't like anybody in this one. So that's how I feel about that, and I'm obviously picking the Eagles. We'll do one more game before we take our final fast break of the show. Texans at the Colts. What do you have for this one? 
this is a game where somebody's going to win. Even though the Colts already have a win, the Texans and the Colts, you know, you would go with the home team here naturally, but I'm going to have to dodge. I'm going to have to go with, with the Texans on this one because you need Deshaun Watson to show up. I think he's going to be able to against that Indianapolis secondary. And on the other side, well, you know, we're kind of still waiting. We're patiently waiting for Andrew Luck. Yet it doesn't seem to be happening fast enough to a lot of people's likings. He's an 18 quarterback, number 18 on my rankings this week. And you know what, running the ball. Well, Indianapolis hasn't really found an identity there either. Marlon Mack was supposed to be the guy who's been dinged up. Jordan Wilkins was trying to, you know, take most of the load. He hasn't been getting it done. The thing that you want to keep in mind with Indianapolis is one or two players, and that's T.Y. Hilton and Eric Ebron. Oh, and Ryan Grant's been showing up nicely, too. So if you have T.Y. Hilton, you know he's normally a number one. I got him downgraded to a number two this week. And Ryan Grant, well, he's probably a flex for you at best. And Eric Ebron, well, all he's been doing was getting touchdowns. He's number eight tight end on my ranking this week. Texans-wise, they don't have the same luxury at tight end. They're still waiting for guys to show up, a Ryan Griffin, a Jordan Thomas, a Jordan Aiken. They're still waiting for somebody to show up. I bet you who is going to show up, though, and that's DeAndre Hopkins. He's a top uh, wide receiver week in, week out. I think, you know, if you're in daily, take the stack, Deshaun Watson and, and DeAndre Hopkins. They're going to get it done. And Will, Will Fuller. Will Fuller is going to be the difference maker in this game. I like him a lot. I think it goes back to last year. Will Fuller was hurt. Deshaun Watson's been hurt. But I think there hasn't been a game where Deshaun Watson and Will Fuller have played where Deshaun has not thrown Will Fuller touchdown. So every time they play together, Will Fuller gets a touchdown. So if you're in a touchdown-only league, that's a good thing to look out for as well. Again, I look for Houston to win this game. Yeah, the Texans again. I, I'm not someone who's really been sold on on Andrew Luck. You know, I thought maybe coming into it out of Stanford that there would be some good things that would happen, but Andrew Luck, you know, for me at least at this point, I'm just not sold on him. I know he's returned. I'm happy that he's healthy, but I'm not overly I'm not overly wowed by what he's been able to do. His completion percentage is high, 68.5, which has been good. He's averaging about. 200 yards per game passing, but he's thrown five touchdowns to three interceptions, and that is an issue. So that is something to definitely look to in this. As far as Eric Ebron, like Mike said, his game log so far this season, got a touchdown against Washington and a touchdown against Cincinnati, did not get one in the last game against Philadelphia, but had five catches in the game on 11 targets. So they're definitely looking to Eric Ebron. It's in short yardage because he had 11 targets, five catches, 33 yards. So not the guy that's got obviously going to run you down the field, but somebody that they'll look to in those goal line situations. So that is something to make a note of. The NFL injury report really quick here. We'll go with the Texans and then with the Colts because the Texans are on the roll road. So Houston in this matchup to just take a look at what they have on the injury report. They got a bunch of guys limited with a thumb injury. DeAndre Hopkins limited with a hamstring injury. Will Fuller the fifth. And outside of that's Kiki Kuti hamstring injury, who is a rookie on the team at wide receiver. He's on there. Dante Foreman is on the PUP list, the physically unable to perform still. Eric Ebron did not practice with his shoulder injury. Jack Doyle didn't practice with his hip injury. Marlon Mack was limited with a hamstring injury. And outside of that, uh, really 
not too much for you to be concerned about. I think the one you have to circle and really look at in this is the tight end position for the Colts with two guys that may not be 100% when this game kicks off. So let's go to Houston first. I think that Deshaun Watson's worth a play in this game. Outside of that, I like a, a healthy DeAndre Hopkins. And Will Fuller the fifth. I would consider him in this matchup. I would consider potentially putting him out there, but he'd be a lower-end guy for me if I if I was to put him out in this matchup. And then as far as the Colts go on their end of things, it's really hard when it comes to running the ball. I mean, Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins have been the guys for them right now. Jordan Wilkins, a newcomer, and Naheem Hines, a rookie that was drafted in the fourth round, and Jordan Wilkins, a rookie that was drafted in the fifth round, Naheem from North Carolina State, and Jordan from Mississippi. So two rookies trying to lead the way with Marlon Mack not getting it done and being hurt. So T.Y. Hilton, I like him in this game, but I would agree with Mike. He's a lower-end wide receiver in this matchup, lower-end one, high-end two. And then outside of that for the rushing attack, I don't trust either side of it. I want to tell you Naheem Hines might be good to play at flex, but he may not get you the yardage that you want in this matchup. And Jordan Wilkins, the jury's kind of still out on this one. So I'm going to pick the Texans on the road as well. We will take our final step aside of the show for a fast break and be right back to finish up our fantasy football coverage of week four inside the NFL with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. And of course, your guy right here every Monday through Friday, Dan Satora of WakeUpCallDT.com. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Consistency is, well, consistently hard to find. Unless you head to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, the home of the Penn and Trophy Center, who has been serving us Central and Upstate New Yorkers, as well as beyond, for decades. The Penn and Trophy Center on 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York, gives you an amazing and unique way to customize a memory today. Say it with the Penn and Trophy Center. Be it an Employee of the Month award, a sports award, something for your business, engraving for your family, your loved ones, anniversaries, birthday parties, and so much more, including remembering somebody who served in the military. Say it with the Penn & Trophy Center. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. The definition of consistency is Penn & Trophy. Browse their products on penandtrophy.com. That's penandtrophy.com. And call them for more information at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue, in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant.
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hanging out with you this morning and every Thursday morning, giving you fantasy advice inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub and the Penn and Trophy Center. The Wildcat is where you watch the games every single Thursday, Sunday, Monday, and you go all throughout the week because the food is awesome, the experiences are great, it's a family-friendly atmosphere that has a sports bar, they balance the sports fans that want to go there and have a beer and watch the game with the kids that are having a birthday party. Somehow, some way, they get it done, and I give a lot of credit to Danny and Heather Tome for making it happen at the Wildcat 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, open every single day of the week. And the Pennant Trophy Center that proudly makes the trophies for the Wake Up Call Fantasy Challenge and can make them for you as well. All you have to do is get in touch with them for the Pennant Trophy Center. They're also online, so if you're out of town and not in East Syracuse, New York, or upstate New York, you can feel free to go to penandtrophy.com. If you're in Central New York, then you can go right over to 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse and call them at 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. You can make a trophy anywhere but you can make great trophies that people want and constantly are trying to jockey for in fantasy football and beyond if you get them at the Penn and Trophy Center. They do the trophies right. We got our mini Lombardi for the champion, and we have our toilet bowl for our last place. They are tremendous with the work that they put forward and the work that they do. So let them help you out with your fantasy team and whatever else you got going on from custom engraving, weddings, birthdays, anniversaries, employee of the month, sports banquet, whatever it may be, Penn and Trophy's got you covered. 315-422-8797. With that being said, we're hopping back into Fantasy Football Talk. The Dolphins at the Patriots. What do we have for this one, Mr. Sofka? Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to get back on board this week. The evil empire can't be down this many times. And, you know, the last time we saw the Patriots start, you know, with three straight losses, I I think you got to go back to when they went to Miami, and Miami pulled that wildcat that nobody had really seen before. I like New England at home. I think they're going to win the game. I think they're going to somehow do something different. I think they're going to be able to pull that coverage off Gronk Gronk's going to show up. He's got to. There's no way he can be held down this long. He's too talented. Belichick's too talented. Tom Brady's too talented. So I'm going to put my faith in that and still classify him as one of the top tight ends this week, of course. And you got to go hand-in-hand with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's one of the top quarterbacks. He's definitely a QB1. You know, until somebody knocks them off their throne entirely, until I see more of a debacle there, I'm, I'm not going to go against the evil empire. It's, it's stupid. It's like going to Vegas and, and you keep betting and keep betting and keep betting and keep betting. They don't build those big casinos on giving people winning monies back. They they take your money and you can only go to the well so many times. Well, it's the opposite with the Patriots. You, you got to get, you got to understand it's a, it's a different situation there. And you know what? I think their running back situation ironically got a little more ironed out with Rex Burkett going on IR. Yeah, he was their leading running back, but you know, I think Sony Michelle's the future. Sony Michelle's only had a couple games there. He missed some preseason with the knee. He's only played like two games. So I think they're going to really concentrate on bringing him along. And I think that's a good thing. He's a mid-range running back, too, for me. I think they're going to try to do those long handoffs with him and get him the ball in space. But this is a guy that can run between the tackles as well. For his size, 
He's got speed. He's got agility. He's got elusiveness. And I really like what I'm seeing in Sony Michelle. And I'm, I'm glad to see he's on the way back on demand. Again, a running back too. Receiver-wise, they can't wait for Edelman to get back. Again, that's going to open things up for Gronk even that much more. Chris Hogan's been playing kind of outside of where he needs to be and what he needs to be doing. Are we going to see Josh Gordon this week? How is he going to do? How is he going to be acclimated to the offense? There's a lot of question marks at receiver on New England. And for the Dolphins, Tannehill's been a surprise. I think Tannehill is going to be you know, a little bit better off than we think, but you know, again, he's playing the Patriots, and I don't feel real good. I, I think he's a, a mid-range quarterback, too, for me. I don't think you can invest too heavily in him. They're still struggling to find a running back identity. I don't think Kenyon Drake's the answer, but he's not bad. He's just not where they need to be yet. He's number 20-ranked running back on my rankings this week. Hopefully, Devontae Parker's going to show up. Kenny Stills has been showing up, but you need more than one guy at a receiver. Kenny Stills, the number 27 running back in the high number of running back, number 27 receiver on my rankings this week in the highest ranking Miami receiver. So that tells you a lot about the rest of the crew there in Miami. Until I see more from Gasecki or somebody, I, I can't really go with any tight end there as well. But I definitely think the Evil Empire is going to bounce back and New England's going to win this game. It's interesting to me that Danny Amendola has been so quiet in this 3-0 start for the Miami Dolphins. And yes, I'm not stuttering. The Miami Dolphins have a better record than the New England Patriots. The Miami Dolphins are 3-0. They've defeated Oakland at the Jets and against Tennessee. So two home games, one away game. This one's on the road in New England. And he has caught, you know, three or four game. But the yardage is very low, 42 yards, 32 yards, 26 yards. Has yet to have a touchdown. I'm going to go down on a limb here and say even consider playing Danny Amendola as a flex position. I believe in the whole when you're playing your old team, you want to make sure that you show up and show out. And some guys they don't, but I think a lot of the times, you know, it is one of those things where, you know, they play a little bit up to that game, a little bit higher to that game. So I'm going to say Danny Amendola is going to get his first touchdown as a Miami Dolphin here this time around uh, this season for for this team. So, I mean, Wes Welker was a Dolphin, became a Patriot. Danny Amendola went the other way. I think Danny gets his first touchdown as a Dolphin against the Patriots in Foxborough is what I'm going to call for this game. No injuries really to note for Miami. For New England, you know their injury report is always vast, but do they really have injuries or are they just pretending to? when you put all these guys on here. But Josh Gordon has a hamstring injury. He was limited on Wednesday. Gronk limited with his ankle injury. Burkhead, as Mike said, is on injured reserve right now. So for Miami, I like Danny Amendola as a flex guy for you. I like Kenny Stills. I'm still wondering, pun intended, why Devontae Parker looks like he's above him on the depth chart because Kenny Stills seems to be the guy. Kenyon Drake, I wouldn't put it past. I mean, he's a low-end running back two, high-end three for me this week. If you need a backup, I don't think he's a bad play. Probably stay away from Ryan Tannehill in this matchup. And then on the other side of things, you know, Tom Brady hasn't looked wondrous in these games that he has played. He's hard to keep off the field, but I don't have him as as a top one for me this week. I have him kind of in the uh, you know mid-range. He's not a top five for me this week. Chris Hogan is the only receiver that I would trust, and Rob Gronkowski, if he's healthy to go, look to him. Sony Michelle, I do like him in this matchup. I think he will score, but I'm going to pick the Dolphins upsetting the Patriots. Now, divisional games are a different game. 
It's a different bird. It's a different breed. And we see it with Tennessee up against Jacksonville every year. And whenever the Patriots, as good as they are and as highly touted as they are, they can lose one to the Bills and split the series, lose one to Miami. Miami gets their goat, and they got their goat in Miami. I think they're going to do it in New England, in Danny Amendola's return. Danny gets a touchdown, and the Dolphins find a way to squeak one by. And we'll be talking about the one in three Patriots coming out of this week. Next one up we have for this for the uh, matchups here are the Jets at the Jaguars. What do you have for this, Mike? Yeah, I, there's marks in the running back situation for the Jaguars. You know, are, is Fournette going to be back? If he is back, he's an he's an RB one. You got to play Fournette if he's back. I think he's going to be back. Hopefully, they're not doing this. Uh, you know, well, we're going to hold him out till the playoffs or whatever because we can. No, you found out last week you can't do that. You know, you thought you were world beaters without him against New England. You couldn't do it against Tennessee. So Fournette's got to be back. He's got to suck it up. They got to make sure. That you know, I I get it. He's he's the franchise. I get it. But at the same time, you got to win some games. So Fournette's an RB one for me. Uh, you know, receiver wise, Keelan Cole's probably a, a wide receiver two for me, and that's high in my opinion. He really should be a wide receiver three. So he's kind of borderline. You know, nobody else has been really showing up. DJ Shark, uh, DeAndre West, DD Westbrook, Dante Moncrief. I haven't seen these guys doing enough. I know they're trying to get him the ball. They just haven't been able to. And Safarian Jenkins, maybe if you're in a touchdown-only league, I mean, he's a he's a tight end, too, for us. And, you know, Blake Bortles had that great game against New England. Then he looked horrible. So I think he's a, he's a QB, too, this week. And then for the Jets, well, the Jets have a rookie quarterback, and that's not going to bode well. He's going to be welcomed to the NFL by Saxonville. You know, I know Sam Darnold's been doing great. I know he, he's – can be elusive, and I know he can throw the ball and everything, but I don't think he's seen anything like this Saxonville approach is going to be. They're going to get after him, and I think that's going to play havoc with their game plan for New York. I think they're still looking for that identity. You know, they can throw the ball. They can pass the ball. Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell together have been averaging over four and a half yards a carry, so together they're a tremendous one-two punch. It's just those guys don't don't fare well fantasy wise. They put you in a in a running back three category and receiver wise, same thing. You know there hasn't been that one guy who's been stepping up. Quincy Inua, uh Robbie Anderson, maybe. You know these are if come maybe. Same thing with the tight end situation there as well. So nothing's really jumping out on me outside of what I said in, about Leonard Fournette. So. I don't need to tell you if you have Leonard Fournette, you're probably itching to get him back in the lineup anyway. But I think the Jaguars are going to win this one comfortably at home. And I'm going to go with the Jaguars in this game as well. I'll be on site on location for this matchup as they face their second team inside of the AFC East this season. Face the Patriots, beat them at home. They got the Jets at home now looking to make it happen. The Titans beat them in the first three weeks at home last season, and the team ended up winning 12 games, being one step out of the Super Bowl. Titans beat them at home this time around, this really embarrassing game. They got blown out last year by the Titans by 21, their biggest loss from the postseason or regular season last season season this time they lose by three in a field goal game where they couldn't get the ball up and down the field defense did what it needed to do but the offense couldn't move the ball and a lot of that had to do with protection so on the injury report for the Jaguars going into this matchup uh, Brandon Linder the center has a knee injury 
and he did not practice on Wednesday. Outside of that, Jeremy Parnell has a knee injury. He's limited. A.J. Can's triceps injury that kept him out last week, he's limited. So they need A.J. Can. They need Parnell. They need Brandon Linder. They need Josh Wells to step it up in the absence of Cam Robinson. Calais Campbell needs to stay healthy on his side of it. And Leonard Fournette's hamstring, he did practice at a limited way, but that's good because the last couple weeks he was not practicing early in the week. And then T.J. Yeldon did not, did not practice with an ankle injury. So, you know, the Jaguars, you want to hope that this doesn't happen to them and then it doesn't happen to anybody, which is that the injury bug doesn't take away a season where this team could really make it happen. It happened to Green Bay last year. On the Jets side of things with their injuries, Terrell Pryor has an ankle injury, but he practiced full. I've never seen this, I don't think, in my life. Maybe one other time. Robbie Anderson is on the Jets injury report with a nose injury. Their wide receiver has a nose injury. So this, this to me, is smoke and mirrors. I expect this to be something I would find on the injury report for the Patriots. Nose injury, eyebrow injury, pulled fingernail, toenail growth, something like that, ingrown hair, something that that I would expect to see on the Patriots when it comes to the injury report. Quincy Anunwa, he's on it too, but he practiced in full. Calvin Beecham will have his return to Jacksonville as he was on the offensive line last year, and uh, he came from the Patriots before that, so Beecham will be there as well, and he practiced in full this week. So my for my side for the Jets, I think Sam Darnold, you know, I agree. I think he gets a welcome to the NFL. I think Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell don't have a fun day against the Jaguars' defense. The Jaguars are embarrassed. They're pissed off. They want to win this game. If Robbie Anderson's nose can hold up, then that's the only one that I would consider playing in this one. Outside of that, it's Jacksonville's defense and special teams. I would consider Blake Bortles a quarterback, too. Leonard Fournette, if he's healthy and ready to go, I'd look to him. Keelan Cole in this game. Dante Moncrief in this game as well. And Austin Safarian Jenkins, he's proven that he can catch those touchdowns, and he's got to do it in the you know in the end zone over the middle, did it against the Patriots. This is the Jets team that he fa- that he was a part of recently, and so I would imagine that he would want to get a touchdown against them as well in this matchup. So I like a lot of Jaguars in this, and only Robbie Anderson of the Jets if the nose knows. Browns at the Raiders. And, Mike, have you ever heard of a nose injury keeping you off the field? Yeah, this stinks. This this smells of something. <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking for the joke in here. I don't know. I, I You know, maybe they'll win the game by the nose of the football. I there don't you go. Know. He, he, he got in the end zone by a nose when they go back and look at it. I mean, it's it's protectively covered, but the only person in bless his heart in heaven that I can think of that would have any trouble with the nose was Michael Jackson. So I, I think Robbie Anderson should be okay in this game. We got uh, under 20 minutes to go, so we're going to run you through rapidly the last six games. Browns at the Raiders, what do you have? Wow, this is going to be an interesting game. You know, the Browns should be and could be with a kicker 3-0, and and the Raiders are unexplicably 0-3. And, you know, this game's in Oakland. I think I'm going to give the advantage of this game to Oakland simply because it's a road game. It's a long way to go across country with a rookie quarterback. You know, I I, I get it. He's a he, you know a professional. I get it. He's an NFL quarterback. He's still a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. And you know, I'm I'm really reaching by saying Oakland's going to do something good here. But I'm just going to go with the home team. It's almost a coin flip game for me. And I think they got to be led by Derek Carr. But I don't have a ton of confidence. I think 
you know, an easier quarterback because I think Baker Mayfield's going to still be on that learning curve, maybe a few picks in there. And Derek Carr is going to be facing the Cleveland defense that can turn the ball over and can get the ball. So both of those guys are bottom end quarterback twos for me. Cleveland's been a bit better, I think, on the running attack with the combination of Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, trying to get Nick Chubb involved. He's still not really involved. I, I think he's on the learning curve and, and, and slow to get on the field, unfortunately, for them. Marshawn Lynch and, and Doug Martin, I think either one of those guys, Marshawn Lynch may be a, a high-end running back, too, and I uh, Doug Martin may be a, a flex player at best, in my opinion. And, you know, looking at the wide receivers, you would think Oakland's wide receivers would be doing a lot better. They need to to get that team moving the ball down the field. But we've seen so far we can't really rely on Amari Cooper or Jordy Nelson. Jordy Nelson actually showed up last week. He might be a a wide receiver three or a flex play for you this week. Tight end. Jared Cook is the only guy that I really like on this, and he's a tight end, too, in my book this week. And then, you know, you look at, at Cleveland, Cleveland's got, and I found this out yesterday, it's not Njoku, it's Anjoku. It's not in. You, you don't say the in, you say Anjoku. So David Njoku might be a tight end too for you. And then at the beginning of the year, Cleveland had a plethora of receivers. Jarvis Landry is the only one I can count on right now. Higgins is coming around. Callaway's a big play guy, but he's spotty. Jarvis Landry may be a wide receiver too for you this week. But again, I'm going to stretch out here, and I think Oakland is going to win. I'm going to go with the Browns on the road in this one. Baker Mayfield's true, true day as a starter, his 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 outright starting opportunities. Feels like they haven't played in forever because they played on Thursday. But, uh, you know, in this matchup, I like Baker Mayfield as a high-end quarterback, too. I think he's going to do some new things. And, well, I shouldn't say some good things. I don't know why I said new things. I think he's going to do some new things for Cleveland, which is called winning and getting the ball down the field. I know that this may be strange, but – Browns fans, listen closely. The job of a quarterback is to complete passes down the field to receivers, be able to throw it long, and get into that thing that's painted at the end called the end zone. I think Baker Mayfield's going to do that. I like him in this game. I like Carlos Hyde in this game. I like Jarvis Landry in this game. And David Joku, I uh, you know I, I think he's a tight end too because he's been somewhat underwhelming, but he could squeak his way into a one. I, I'm kind of... Pleasant. I'm trying to be optimistic, but I'm. I, I don't know if I'd lean on him to get me points. You know, it, like I lean on some of the other guys in the matchup. Derek Carr. I don't really like Derek Carr in this game, so you know, I, I would keep him off if I had him on my roster. I just don't like him. I got a feeling Cleveland's gonna make it happen. Marshawn Lynch, not bad to play as a running back too. Amari Cooper is a letdown. Uh, Jordy Nelson's not bad out there. Jared Cook maybe. If anybody feet to the fire, I'd say Jordan Nelson, Jordy Nelson, then Jared, then Amari Cooper. I don't draft Amari Cooper anymore because he just doesn't do what he's supposed to do. I'm picking the Browns. You're picking the Raiders. All right, we're going to make this quick here. Seattle Seahawks and the and the Arizona Cardinals. What do you have for this? Yeah, this is a game of some teams that I thought would have much better records and be further along here. David Johnson hasn't been getting it done, but they're trying to find ways to get him the ball. I'm still going to rank him as a number eight running back this week. And in PPR, you can you can say he's probably eight, maybe seven on that same ranking. You know, the quarterbacks have been somewhat disappointing, but, you know, when you got the quarterback that, that they have, 
uh, in Seattle. You can't go bad with Russell Wilson. So he's going to be a low-end quarterback one. He's usually a high-end quarterback one. But the entire team's been struggling a little bit here. That Chris Carson has finally shown up. He's fine. I think he's going to wrestle that that running back by committee thing away. I think he's going to be a guy, but he's still an RB2 this week. And, you know, the the attack through the air, Doug Baldwin's been dinged up. Tyler Lockett's shown up at least. Will Disley's been a surprise, although he wasn't one last week. He didn't score or really see much action last week. And then you look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are trying to get some things done. They got the old man in Larry Fitzgerald that they can count on. They're struggling to get Christian Kirk or somebody else involved. So they better hope David Johnson does something, especially now that they're starting to rookie quarterback in Josh Rosen. And, of course, you don't want to start him. And there's no real tight end. Ricky Seals-Jones, Jermaine Gresham. I don't think either one of these guys are worth starting for Arizona. And for the record, I do like – who do I like in this game? Do I like Arizona? Let me – hang on. I'm flipping the coin here. Hold on. Yeah, I'll go with Arizona in this game. Yeah, I'm picking Arizona in this game, too, because Seattle has only won at home, and they struggle on the road. They're not the team that they used to be. So, Rosen, watch him in this one. I'm excited. Not excited enough to play him, but I'm excited. I'm pleasantly optimistic. I like Christian Kirk in this game because Christian Kirk, I believe, is going to take over that starting starting number one job. And when Larry hangs it up, probably after this year, I would look to that. So I like Christian Kirk in this. I like David Johnson. Chase Edmonds, if you got to go deep, somebody got hurt, you're going to the waiver wire free agency and you need a flex guy, I'm not against Chase Edmonds. I do like David Johnson in this one. Christian Kirk, my favorite Cardinal in this matchup. And then on the other side of it, Russell Wilson, he's hard to keep off. You know, I, I he doesn't wow me. That's why at the end of the season his statistics always make me kind of fall off my chair because I can't wrap my head around it. But, uh, you know, besides him and Tyler Lockett in this game, I'm not a huge fan of the Seattle team, and I'm not a huge fan of what they've been doing. I'm going to go to the Cardinals. Saints at the Giants, what do you have for this? Yeah, if you have Saints, go ahead and play them and play them with pride. They're all tops all the way across the board. Drew Brees, one of the top quarterbacks. Alvin Kamara, you know he's one of the top players in the league. He's also top fantasy running back. And Michael Thomas, also top uh, fantasy receiver. The only guy in question is Ben Watson. He's a top end, tight end, too. As far as the Giants, you know you got to start Saquon. He's a number five running back on my rankings this week. You know, I, I don't believe in Manning yet. You know, he's been trying to manage the team, and that's that's great, but it doesn't do well for your fantasy team. Odell Beckham, you got to play him. He's a wide receiver one, and, you know, I they had Evan Ingram grow, go down, and, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but if you look, Rhett Ellison stepped in nicely. I think he's going to be a surprise guy. So if you're really searching for somebody at tight end, go pick you up some Rhett Ellison. Take a chance here with this guy. I, I think he's going to do better than people think. So, again, I like the Saints in this one. I think they're going to roll. All right, we got about eight minutes to go, so I'll run you quick through this one for me. I'm picking the Saints first and foremost in this game, and I'll agree with Mike on that one. Saints at the Giants. We know the Saints don't play defense, so that bodes well for the Giants to getting you, to get you some scores here. I think the Saints will win, but Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. are worth the play. Sterling Shepard is worth the look in this game. Outside of that, back to the Saints. I like Drew Brees. I like Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and... It, 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 Cameron Meredith was all the way at the bottom, and now he's moved his way up the depth chart. 
I don't know what it means, but I mean, hopefully there could be some good things that happen in this game. The Giants aren't really known for their shutdown defense. So I like Thomas Kamara and Breeze, and I would kind of just uh, keep an eye on uh, Traquan Smith and Cameron Meredith. I don't know if I'd tell you to play either one of them right now 100%, but if I had to put my feet to the fire, just like Kelvin Ridley last week, I think Cameron Meredith might have a surprising week this week for you. Chargers at home against the Niners. What do you have for this? Well, I'm going to make this real quick and simple. If you have a char- if you have a niner on your team, don't start him. Except for Eric- except for George Kittle. George Kittle's my number nine tight end, but you know they're dinged up at running back, they're dinged up at quarterback, and that's going to affect their receivers. If you know if you have to play a receiver, go ahead. Marquise Goodwin showed up last week. Pierre Garcon, I'm still waiting. Pettis, I'm still waiting. So I, I don't I don't think you can start anybody. Alfred Morris is still dinged up. I think the Chargers just. Chargers are going to dominate this game. I think Philip Rivers might be an outstanding quarterback one this week. And, you know, when you look across the board, Melvin Gordon is going to be a running back one. Keenan Allen, wide receiver one. Tyra Williams I'm not sold on. Mike Williams is on the up, so I like him. Maybe a Virgil Green over an Antonio Gates because Antonio Gates hasn't been doing anything. So I definitely like the Chargers big time in this game. Yeah, I like the Chargers in this game, and really quick with it on both. I mean, Matt Breda, if you know, Breda's the only guy that I like on the side of San Francisco, and then I would give the nods to George Kittle as well, because when in doubt, when you're the backup quarterback, C.J. Beathard, what do you do? You run the ball and you throw to your tight end, so that's what I'm looking to on that side. On the other side, Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, I like them in this matchup, and I would look to Mike Williams as a, as a wide receiver too, and I like Keenan Allen in the game as well, a little bit higher ranked than him. Ravens at the Steelers for Sunday Night Football. Yeah, I think this game's going to be the Steelers. These games are always close, these divisional games, especially between the Ravens and Steelers. They're usually decided by three points or less. A worrisome thing, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger admitting to putting an Academy Award performance when he got that head slap from uh, Pierre Paul to get the penalty, and I think we're going to see some more of that. But I, I'm wondering if the refs are going to be looking for that from Rodgers but Le'Veon Bell's not back yet. James Conner's been doing an excellent job. He's a running back one. Roethlisberger's going to be a quarterback one this week. Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, and James Washington. You can all play them, of course. Wide receiver one, two, and three, respectively. Vance McDonald looked like a man last week. Jesse James looked like a great guy the week before. So, I don't know. It might be a coin flip between those two guys for you, but I would give the edge to McDonald. He's the flavor of the week right now. And, and for the Ravens, Alex Collins, he's a he's a mid-range running back to Flacco. I don't know if you can count on him. Quarterback two this week. Crabtree's been if come maybe, not getting enough done, not scoring any touchdowns. I don't like that situation at all. Hayden Hurst back on the practice field. I got to see something first before I can play that cat. So I think Pittsburgh's going to win this game. Yeah, in this matchup for me, I got Pittsburgh in the game, winning the matchup. And as far as it goes here with the Ravens at the Steelers, you know, picking the Steelers at home in this, the Ravens defense, you know, people want to talk. And this is one of those things like you talked about earlier in the show today on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora uh, about, uh, you know, the rankings and who's in the rankings and why are they there and, and that people aren't looking at this year, but they're giving them clout for what they've done in the past. And you can't do that. You have to look at what they've done in the here and now and I think that's the Ravens people always say oh their defense their defense but they're not the defense that they used to be 
I, you know, Joe Flacco, you had him as a quarterback, too, in this game. Alex Collins, a running back, too, lower end. Michael Crabtree, if someone's going to catch a touchdown, I look for him to be the guy to do it. But nobody's high end for me on Baltimore. On the other side, I like Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner, Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, Vance McDonald, and if you have to go flex, James Washington. Final game, Chiefs at the Broncos, Monday Night Football. What do you have? Yeah, even though this game's in Denver, and again, divisional game, even though this game's usually tight, I'm still going to go with the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are going to win to what the Chiefs have. I mean, it's just dominant compared to the other side of the ball. So Patrick Mahomes has been on fire. He's a high-end quarterback, one number one quarterback on my ranking. Kareem Hunt, every time he touches the ball, he does magic. He's a, he's a running back one. Uh, Tyreek Hill, fastest guy in the NFL. Sammy Watkins has been showing out. And you have one of the top tight ends. So, you know, all those guys are starters for you. And for the Broncos, they've been struggling a little bit. They've been struggling a little bit, but just enough to to, to win a couple games here. You know, Demarius Thomas, he's probably a wide receiver too this week. I, I don't see the value anywhere else, maybe in Emmanuel Sanders. He's about even with Demarius Thomas right now. No real tight end value. Phillip Lindsay's got to keep his head in the game on special teams. He can't get thrown out of the game. They're not strong enough in the running attack to do without him. So look for a continued committee situation there, running back, and you can't really start Case Keenum, I don't think. Although... The Chiefs' defense is suspect against the pass, so if you have to do a long shot, that may be your long shot there at quarterback. And again, I look for the Chiefs to win. Yeah, I'm looking for the Chiefs to win this game as well. Pat Mahomes has been putting on a clinic. I don't need to tell you, if you got Mahomes, then that's who you play. Pat Mahomes, Kareem Hunt, Tyreek Hill, I feel good about all of them. Travis Kelsey, he's been a little bit underwhelming, but still worth the play. I like each of them. That's a quarterback, running back, tight end, and wide receiver at each position, telling you to throw them out there. For Denver, you know, Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman, sometimes it feels like you're flipping a coin. I... Look at both of them as your flex or your lower end running back too. Demarius Thomas, if I'm going to pick anybody in the matchup, I guess I would lean on Demarius. Emmanuel Sanders, not a bad flex play, but Kansas City, you know, and, and that's because Kansas City doesn't play tremendous defense, but their offense is lights out, and I think that Kansas City is going to win the game. So that is week four of the NFL coverage. Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. Check them out 24-7. And, of course, you can listen in to this show every Thursday starting around 10 a.m. Eastern time on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT inside a Wake Up Call with Dan Satora. And, as always, you can get right after the show on the audio archive, TuneIn Radio, the iTunes Podcast, Podbean Podcast, and so much more by searching Wake Up Call. Mike, as always, you're awesome. I appreciate it. All right. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Dan. Take care. That coming from Mike Sofka once again. want to thank everybody that was a part of the show today. want to thank Papa Joe as well as Katie Kalinske and Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. I want to thank you for listening. And on Friday's show, the annoying moment of the week is coming up 9 a.m., probably presented by Carvel DeWitt. They have pumpkin ice cream now. Go get it. I just got a shake yesterday. We also will have significant sound bites with coaches throughout the ACC and the American Athletic Conference, including sound bites from Syracuse, and we'll have Collectible Corner with John Newman and Jordan Newman. God bless. Talk to you soon.